Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Hey, we welcome you in to Full Slate, of Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by my partner in crime and the... Jack of all trades for the podcast. He is Alex Uplinger as it's NFL week 10 as we are into the middle of November. And that means that we are uh, not that far from the regular season winding down, which is sad. We always kind of commiserate a little bit at the beginning of the pod about another week moving forward on the schedule. But if you are in the festive spirit, Thanksgiving right around the corner, Christmas not too far down the line either. Again, he's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. I'm at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. It's been a rough last couple days for me, hoping to turn it around and certainly hoping to end NFL Week 10 on a right note. Alex, as I welcome you in, before we get to the football talk, I haven't actually asked you this, so I, I mentioned the holidays. Your thoughts on the – it seems to be a popular debate – amongst social media circles, at least the circles that I'm in, after Halloween, do you play Christmas music or do you have to wait until after Thanksgiving? <laughs> Dude, I've actually been listening to Christmas music this week on my commute. I have uh, XM and they have several Christmas channels. So I've definitely been getting in the spirit here. I'm not one to put up decorations this early i think 
I think after Thanksgiving, we need to give Thanksgiving its its due. Right. But I'm definitely down to to listen. Well, you'll to do the Christmas music, tunes. but you won't decorate. Okay. Yeah, we're not we're not decorating yet. Definitely get the tree after Thanksgiving. Probably yes. as soon as possible. Maybe the first, the third. Yeah, I mean, if you do a live tree, I do it. Try and do it like Thanksgiving Saturday. I always felt like was a good time to do it. Like do all your Friday shenanigans, and then you know uh, get the tree. But you know, I gotta ask you, by the way, XM Satellite Radio with a bunch of Christmas channels. So do they just play Christmas music year round on those channels? No, so they they like fire up at a certain. A certain time. Oh, so like, I don't know exactly. The other that. 10 I, I, months out of the year, there's just no. Yeah. So if so if anyone has XM channel 71 and channel 105, those will be some Christmas bangers 24/7. They're You're not you so Yeah. Oh, I'll definitely dabble if I have a good one. I I don't have anything specific, but oh yeah, I'll absolutely dabble, especially if there's. A good party, just an excuse to get drunk and wear a dumbass sweater. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. <laughs> well, let's not waste any more time. Then we'll get into the NFL week week ten rotation as we run through the card and break down a little bits and pieces out of every game. Let's begin in South Beach, where the Miami Dolphins are coming off of a win, believe it or not, as they took down the Houston Texans last week. Short week. Obviously, for both of these teams, the Baltimore Ravens also coming off of a win. No cover, though, for the Ravens in their three-point victory against the Minnesota Vikings. And, Alex, we're seeing the Baltimore Ravens laying seven and a half on the road in this game. Uh, Total in this game is sitting at about 46 and a half. And we talked about it before we jumped on. There's a lot of ugly games this week that you just stare at and think I could go without or I don't know that I want to watch that. And this is a Thursday night standalone game. So even if it is a one we can go without, we're going to watch anyway because this is what we do. Um, And that's kind of how I feel about this. Like, I don't. The Ravens, I think there are like in a weird way. We talked a little bit before we jumped on about how the Steelers and we were talking about their lack of margin in their wins. I kind of get that feeling with the Ravens sometimes when you look at them barely surviving against the Lions, having to come back against the Colts the way they did on Monday Night Football. And, you know, they pulled away. They beat the Chiefs. They probably probably shouldn't have beat the Chiefs. Barely beat the Chiefs. They did pull away, and I guess it was a, a nice win there against the Broncos in, I think it was week four. But I don't know. I think all first half of the NFL season, we've said, well, yeah, you know, Ravens, they're they're finding ways. And, you know, they they had a lot of injuries, you know, good for John Harbaugh, whatever. But it still isn't a team that inspires confidence in this price range of north of a touchdown on the road. So I definitely don't want Baltimore. Uh, and you have a trend here that is – relevant and applies to this game that I think is just uh, kind of interesting to begin with, but I, I don't know what I'm going to play here. Maybe just sprinkle a first touchdown here or there just to have something in play, but I'm going to pass this game and uh, I'll seed the baton to you here and let you uh, talk about your trend and, and anything that you want to add on Thursday night football. Yeah, this is a great trend in it. 
it honestly makes perfect sense. I actually saw this on a TikTok video, which was super interesting. It's about teams that failed to cover the previous week, and then they're playing a team that did cover the previous week. They're 39-14-1 against the spread. So that would apply here in Ravens-Dolphins. And then it would also apply to the Eagles against the Broncos, the Saints against the Titans, the Panthers against the Cardinals, and then the Cowboys against the Falcons. And I, I like several of those games, but this is not one of those. I, d- I don't love giving a touchdown on the road here, despite that trend. would not surprise me at all if the, the Ravens really just, just put it on here. But after last week, I'm just I'm kind of concerned about the the running game. They went into the game. They were the best in the NFL. They only gave up 86 yards per game on the ground. Last week, they gave up 131. And the Vikings really controlled that game. And they probably should have won that outright. I don't know. Kirk Cousins just well, went into his shell. And, the most recent one against Minnesota. But just it feels like the Ravens yeah. are surviving. When they win and when they lose, well, they were favored against the Raiders week one, Monday Night Football, lost the game out, right? Got smoked by Cincinnati as a six-point home favorite. Like, just feels like they're one of the more unimpressive contenders right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the the Dolphins can keep this close. But there's also concerns with, is it going to be Tua? Is it going to be Brissett? I I'm not... So sure, I, I don't yeah, know if that's really like, that much think, of a downgrade. Well, you're it, not playing pretty... Baltimore based on that trend. I do think that that is good feed Miami fodder or fade Miami fodder because you look at the Dolphins, like they're just such a mess. They're not exactly the type of team that you expect to get hot at any point point this season. And so they just win a game no, against not, the Texans, like. Kind of just right. expect them to fade right back into irrelevance here. Right. No, I completely agree. I think the the Ravens would be the only side I would look to. But, yeah, I can't quite get there at a touchdown. So let's go from the AFC East and North to the AFC South, where our next game in the rotation is the Jacksonville Jaguars, rotation number 241, traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. And the Colts are laying ten and a half on their home turf again at Lucas Oil Stadium. Total of forty-seven and a half. Colts coming off the extra time to prepare and didn't really actually need to exert themselves a ton in that blowout victory over the New York Jets. Anyway, uh, the Jags, on the other hand, uh, kind of feels like the right spot to fade them too. Like we just talked about with Miami coming off of a win. The Jags coming off of a, one of the more stunning results of the NFL season, beating Buffalo 9-6. to six. And now they go to Indianapolis. Jacksonville, much like Miami in that sense, not a team that you just expect is going to have this second-half awakening. And that was just one of the weirder results in the NFL season, like I said. And so you're going to like Indy here. I would lean that side just on the basis that the Colts seem to do well in this big favorite role. Uh, and they, we saw it last week against the Jets. Uh, I believe they covered a big number against Houston as well earlier this season. So Indy kind of feels like one of those teams that's going to take care of business when it's a big favorite like this. 
and their playoff fate will be determined on if they can start beating some better teams, which right now, as of now, hasn't happened. Uh, but this is a spot where the Colts really tend to roll, right? Absolutely. They completely dominated the Texans. I think that was a 14 or 14 and a half line. Granted, that's Davis Mills. That's not that's not the Jags. The Jags are a bit of an upgrade over that, but they did hand it to the Jets. But also, you know, Mike White went out pretty early and then they were facing the backup and the Jets were going for that backdoor cover. They ultimately didn't get it. Colts won by 15. Yeah, I think they can easily win this game, but at least 14 to 20 points. I really like the Colts here. I think that's the only play, but home favorite. Really feels like the the Jets are a much better team than the Jags, and the Colts are in the exact same spot as they were on Thursday night against the Jets. Minus 10 at home. Yeah, the Extra Colts time, are in the play. No here. travel. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah. Checks out well for Indy. Uh, it, it does feel weird the more I think about this. Like, the more you think about Indy, like, we're talking about them. Well, they're, you know, they're a great big favorite, right? Like, they can cover these big numbers. But then when they have to play a team that's like, oh, it's pick them. Like, you, you, you don't want any part of the Colts. <laughs> right, except when they, they played the Titans, which I love the Colts in that spot. And they looked right. great. And they came Carlson out firing 14 the game up With some stupid yep. throws. Otherwise, the Colts the, probably win. The dumbest interception you'll ever see for a pick six. Yeah. If Carson Wentz is just somewhat competent, which he is, and he said that he was not going to miss this game despite the birth of his daughter coming up, he said he would not miss this game. So that's great for you as an Eagles fan. He's not He's not missing any snaps. Get those snaps in. Yeah, he's playing this game. He doesn't care about the birth of his whatever <laughs> But I'm actually shocked to hear that because he's a very religious guy. I would think that the birth of his daughter would be a, a huge event in his life. I mean, it, even it if, might even get a little it, is, it might but. get a little diluted as you have more kids. This yeah. is probably being a religious dude. This is probably his third or fourth. He's like on that. Phil yeah, I know he's got trend. at least one. Yeah, that's, I, I didn't look at it that way, but it's an interesting <laughs> so he's playing he's playing he's playing hard he'll play hard for his uh newly born child so Colts easy <laughs> all right well let's move forward and go to one of the more intriguing games in the early window and it's the Cleveland Browns going to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots New England rotation number 244 is a one and a half two-point favorite total in this game of 45 and I'll lead us off here, and uh, you're going to like the same side I do. I'm going with the short home chalk New England. I laid one and a half. I, I think there's a lot to like about the Patriots right now, and I think I've been on them for – I think this is going to be like the third or fourth week in a row I've bet them. And, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not someone that just blindly bets teams every week. It's normally something where I look at the line and say, oh, I, I like it. I'll play them. And it's just – kind of what's lined up with New England for me recently where, uh, you know, I thought they were on the precipice of turning a corner against the Jets. And that was after a really tough loss against the Dallas Cowboys when they certainly should have covered and arguably could have won that game outright. And so it just felt like, okay, well, 
New England is 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 on the horizon and whether or not it manifests itself into anything this season, we'll see. But I felt like they were ripe to get right against the Jets and they did. And then I didn't think the market really adjusted well with that Chargers line at five. They were an underdog on the road. I felt like they were still getting a little bit of disrespect there in the marketplace. Won that game outright. Then they're only, uh, you know, granted a road favorite. So uh, it, it moved. But Carolina has really struggled immensely ever since that 3-0 and start. And the Patriots are only laying, I, I got it at, I think, two and a half. I believe it closed three, three and a half, and they end up kicking the crap out of Carolina, 24 to six. All of this is to say that the Patriots defense has really been firing on all cylinders, and that's trouble for Baker Mayfield. I know that it's a Cleveland offense that kind of likes to play ball control and not necessarily rely on big plays, and we saw them yet again in the final game. I guess we could say that Odo Beckham Jr. was a member of the organization, even though he wasn't on the roster on Sunday, wasn't on the field Sunday. We saw Cleveland again thrive in his absence, so we know that the Browns aren't necessarily the flashiest of offenses that tries to just uh, beat you in the trenches and run the rock, but you mentioned it before we jumped on some COVID problems in the Cleveland backfield kind of muddying the waters there. And I don't think that Dearness Johnson's going into Foxborough and having the same game if he is the lead back. I don't think he's going into Foxborough and having the same game that he had on Lake Erie in Cleveland a few weeks ago on Thursday Night Football against Denver. So I I really question where Cleveland's scoring here. Um, and, you know, you again, New England uh, feels like they're doing everything right. And maybe they are starting to get a little respect here being a short favorite against Cleveland, but you know, five and four. And and I feel like no one's talking about Cleveland or new England in this division. They're half a game behind Buffalo. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but the standings are the standings. And, and at a certain point you got to look at them. So I think new England continues to open some eyes. Uh, ironically that five and four record for new England is identical to Cleveland. And uh, that's another thing that if you just said to the random football fan, hey, New England's going to have the same record as Cleveland halfway through the season, most of those people would probably be surprised. I think New England continues to make a positive statement here, and uh, I will lay the short number. Maybe it could be Odell Beckham Jr.'s next team. We're getting, I mean, I think it's a, a, a destination that's not being talked about as much for Odell, primarily the Saints with his LSU background and obviously the Chiefs and Packers with the obvious need and being contenders, but I could see him wind up in New England, particularly if the Pats win this game and stay hot. But uh, I really just think that at this price range at home, I think the defense is really going to gobble up Baker Mayfield. And I'm not whoever's running the ball for Cleveland. I don't expect to have the success that the Browns normally need out of its running game. So New England for me, I know you like it as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I grabbed this a one and a half earlier today and I'm seeing it it's already up to two and a half. I don't know if that's from the the COVID news. I'm sure Nick Chubb, he's out. He was on the COVID list. And then three other running backs were out as well. So it's gonna be Dearness Johnson again. And if you look at the Browns practice report, you see their starting center he was limited today. Baker Mayfield was limited as well, but that's not quite a concern. We know he's gonna push through Miles Garrett, he actually did not practice today. But you look at New England, they're 
14th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game. And then they're 11th in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game. This is a solid defense. You get Bill Belichick that, you know, that the lesser weapons to worry about, no Chubb to worry about now. He's going to come up with some sort of game plan to really stifle Baker Mayfield, who we know is not that difficult to shut down. So Baker Mayfield having to throw the ball. Right, like or even exactly. Dearness Johnson really having ask to yourself this. Is Baker Mayfield really going into Gillette Stadium and picking apart a Bill Belichick defense? I can't see it. No, absolutely not. I think the biggest concern here is can Mac Jones just be a relatively competent game manager and can they just run the ball well and just not have Mac Jones make these mistakes? Like we've and, seen. And, and don't you, I mean, do. I haven't watched every snap, but I feel like Mac's playing mistake free football for the most part. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, I, I feel like saw the video, a, uh, if that's what you're alluding to. That was a pretty Well, no, that, that was actually fucking dirty. I don't yeah. know what the hell he was doing. He, yeah. he, he twisted up Brian Burns' leg. How are you doing, dude? Yeah, I mean, I will say relative, to, and now low bar to clear here, but relative to the rest of the rookie quarterbacks, he hasn't been so bad. No, he's not. I mean, he's very, very, very mediocre. He, I mean, he has he has ten touchdowns and seven interceptions. That's very serviceable. So just don't make those mistakes. And yeah, I think New England easily wins this game by a touchdown or more. Yeah, and and I'm looking uh, kind of just because I was curious in this three game winning streak that New England is on. Uh, he has only thrown one interception. So that's kind of my point that I just get the sense that. He's doing what's asked of him, and uh, if he continues to do that, I think New England could still have success. So yeah, let's move forward agree. and uh, go to a little crossfire. We're going to have a few of them. As uh, I'm going to like the Atlanta Falcons as the Falcons rotation number 245 travel down to Dallas-Fort Worth to take on the Cowboys at Jerry World. They're a nine-point dog total of 55 I talked about it before we jumped on. It feels like a square dog seeing Atlanta coming off of a win at the Superdome, uh, going to Dallas and the Cowboys laying almost the same amount of points that the Cowboys were laying against Denver in week number nine. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I've talked about it before on this podcast. I like Arthur Smith. I think he's a good offensive mind and it's an Atlanta team that, First year coach, I was kind of expecting would turn the corner come the second half. And, you know, let's not for nothing. I know that the New Orleans offense, particularly the quarterback situation there, uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, we'll just say that. But it is pretty much all the same guys on that New Orleans defense that has been really good and really good for the last couple of years. And it was a, a pretty nice showing there from uh, the Atlanta offense being able to get in the upper 20s against the Saints defense without Calvin Ridley. So Matt Ryan throws for 343, two scores, no picks. Cordell Patterson, I don't know where this is coming from, but he had a big game through the air now at six for 126 last week. I, I think if they can do it against the Saints defense, I know that Dallas's defense has been better, but I think Atlanta's going to score some points here. And again, 
I think this is the highest total on the board for week number not week number 10, excuse me, at 55. I could be wrong, but definitely feels like it is. And I think that, you know, it's warranted to the point where if this game goes over, it's going to be a competitive game. I don't think Dallas is going to score like 40. I just have a hard time seeing this be 45 to 17 or something, you know, like it's, it's just one of those games for me where I think it probably ends up as a slugfest shootout, 38-30, which was what the game ended up being last year when these two teams met at Jerry World and Atlanta obviously choked it away massively, uh, should have won the game outright. Maybe the Falcons players that were in this game have that on their mind going into Sunday. Again, it feels a little square with the fact that Atlanta has been playing better of late, and I'm going to take them getting this many points almost all the time because I like Arthur Smith, as I said, and I get suckered into the Falcons a lot, probably more than I should. But Falcons for me, and uh, you're wrong. You're going to tell me why I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. But you like <laughs> you like Dallas here. Is this just a uh, – uh, you know, I, Bear awakes from his slumber because they were clearly oh, pretty, pretty sleepy last week against Denver. I mean, they were they were absolutely dismantled. He turned it on a little late. I guess that might be, you know, a little fantasy points or some bragging rights or whatever. But I absolutely love the Cowboys here. It feels like the perfect bounce back. Such a buy low, sell high. We saw the Falcons beat the Saints. And we just saw the Cowboys get absolutely demolished. This line should be at least 10. I think being that I'm seeing eight right now, I know you grab nine, but this just feels like it should be way, way higher. And I'm seeing 56% of bets are coming in on the Falcons, but... 77% 77% of the money that's coming in on the Cowboys. Yeah, and that trend earlier that I said, the, the teams that failed to cover versus a team that did cover, which would be the Cowboys on this spot. Yeah, I love it. The The Falcons, they don't make a lot of I think the, the Cowboys can really sell out against the pass here. You really don't have to worry about the running game. The Cowboys are 10th in the NFL in average rushing yards allowed per game. So I don't think Mike Davis is going to be, really be a factor here. So they can definitely sell out, make some mistakes for Matt Ryan. I, I think they easily cover this number. It just it feels way too low. This feels like the, the public is going to love the Falcons as a dog, which would be my initial reaction seeing this number. Which is why I'm just I'm gonna zag and go go the Cowboys here. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't hate on the thought process. And one thing, last point I'll make on this game, and again, I don't have any statistical nuggets to back this up, but this is more of a hunch than anything else. The Dallas Cowboys never make things easy, and I just feel like somewhere along the way, they're gonna get hit with some adversity in this season. And if last week wasn't the start of it, and it is just a blip on the radar and, and they come back and beat Atlanta soundly, then okay, good for them. But I I just could see them getting into a little bit of a mid season funk here 
and then it's going to be on it's going to because you think about it mike mccarthy really hasn't had to do anything right i mean he yeah no he, he's he's terrible he's right. terrible they, exactly. they've only and, really handled the the eagles and the giants other games they they beat the panthers by eight they beat the patriots on that walk-off touchdown right yeah by, lost out by right six they, week one they beat the vikings with cooper fucking rush the by four yeah, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, all give the, the Cowboys are, credit. Their big-time players have stepped up and made plays in these games. But, like, I just think at a certain point this season, we're going to be saying, oh, well, that's why we think McCarthy sucks. Like, it feels like they're winning all these games in spite of him, and maybe that continues here. Uh, but I just think the Dallas Cowboys are in for a little bit of – there's always some – trials and tribulations with them it's usually yeah never- but i also think the falcons are at the highest point of their season right that's now. true just i get it so high. a huge division rival like as a six six and a half point dog yeah yeah and now you have to travel to to dallas dallas coming off a just embarrassing loss you know that's in their head the entire game entire season entire week yeah, I just I think Dallas is going to absolutely roll here. Well, we shall see as it's the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons at Jerry World. Let's move forward and go to MetLife Stadium for an, a clash of AFC East rivals as it's the Buffalo Bills traveling to northern New Jersey to take on the New York Jets. Buffalo laying 12 and the hook on the road, total of 47 and a half. And Alex, if you like Dallas minus nine, then I would say, why don't you like Buffalo here coming off of an embarrassing loss against the Jags? Um, So why don't you (laughs) like Buffalo here? (laughs) Mike White, man, it's tough to fade this guy. I know we've only seen him play a game in a quarter or whatever he played against the Colts, but I just think the Bills look really off on offense and, like the, the Jacksonville defense is not very good, and they really, really stifled Josh Allen. He looked kind of nervous back there. He was kind of shuffling his feet the entire game and trying to roll out and just getting sacked left and right. And just New York at home is just oddly, I don't know, it's kind of scary to lay this many points. We saw them beat the Titans, who we think is a pretty solid team. I personally do not think that, but I know a lot of pundits and talking heads really. Oh yeah. People people are putting the Titans in the Super Bowl now. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen them win a ton of games straight as underdogs. So it's not surprising to think that I I definitely do not blame anyone who does, but yeah, just the jets at home with Mike White. It's kind of scary. This is a large number to lay when, I don't think the Jets at home with Mike White is kind of scary. (laughs) As dumb as that sounds, just wait. I just, I would not be laying this number. But also, I'm not running to back the Jets. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. This game doesn't come off TV at all. This game's a pass. And, like, I'll be honest, like, Buffalo, like, I know it's the Jets, but I think right now, like, they're in like the cars in neutral right now for Buffalo. Like they just lose, as we said to the Jags last week, let's not forget on Halloween, that game that we both laid the lumber with them at home against Miami. We got pretty lucky there to get through the front door 
and yeah, get, they ran oh, the cover play there at the end. Yeah, of the game. they they went right. for the touchdown with so, like, nothing on that, the line. You know, for three quarters so thereabout, that was a pretty unimpressive game from Buffalo Absolutely. against against lowly Miami. You know, so those are their last two games. Then there was a bye week, week seven. The last time they came out and really showed us, to, like, and then excuse me, before their bye, they choked one away there against Tennessee. So they've lost two of their last three, and the win was pretty unimpressive. You'd have to go back to the Sunday night football game at Arrowhead Stadium, which was a month ago now, when you'd have to say, you know what, yeah, the Buffalo Bills looked like a Super Bowl contender. And I'm not saying that there's cause for concern necessarily, but as gamblers, it's just not a team that I want to give this many points with at the moment. And the Jets, you know, extra time to prepare and – Hey, Mike White did it against the Bengals, and so I know that this is a much better defense, but an inexperienced quarterback with some more time to prepare you would think would help as well. Again, not saying I'm running to back the Jets, but I'm with you wholeheartedly on this, that it's a pass. I'm not very interested in the game, really, from any angle. Uh, So we talked about it. There's some games, Baltimore-Miami, that happens to be a Thursday night game. I think this one's pretty ugly where it's just, you could go without. Like, if we had a, a seven or eight game card, I, I think I could live with it this week, but whatever. Let's just move forward and go down to Nashville now, where we have the New Orleans Saints traveling to Nashville to take on the Titans. A three, three two and a half point road dog, our New Orleans uh, total in this game of 44 and a half. You just have to play New Orleans here, and I'm going to. I got the three. The Tennessee Titans clobber the Rams pretty much there on Sunday Night Football last week. As we talked about, they're on top of the world, right? And everybody is talking about the Titans now as arguably the favorite in the AFC, having defeated the Buffalo Bills, as I mentioned. And, you know, you look at the rest of the AFC, everybody in the AFC West is kind of battling amongst each other right now the titans have the afc south on lockdown and and the north is kind of like the west in the afc where you just let everybody beat each other up and see who the last team is at standing so the titans really have a pretty clear path here to potentially get the number one seed as i said on top of the world new orleans just loses at home to lowly atlanta and here are the saints they're only catching three here it feels way too good to be true to back the titans and that's enough of a reason for me by itself to take New Orleans. I think you have to do it. I think this is where that New Orleans defense flexes a little bit. And, you know, they, let's be honest, even when Breeze was there, they weren't winning because of anything Drew Breeze was doing. We saw Teddy Bridgewater have some success with New Orleans as well. I think the formula transcends the quarterback. They're going to play really good tooth and nail defense. It doesn't really matter who the ball carriers ball carrier is. They have a very good offensive line, and they're going to come at you in waves with backs, whether it be Kamara or you know Mark Ingram's back there now. Latavius Murray had some success there in New Orleans as well. So it is worth noting that. And here's another thing: Alvin Kamara did not practice on Wednesday with a knee injury. So again, the line just really stinks. And this is one where I would be kicking myself watching New Orleans win outright and not playing it. I got no problem playing New Orleans on the fact that it's a stinky line 
and going down with the ship if the Titans win this game by double digits. But I just have to play New Orleans when I saw this number. Just the fishiest of line. We just saw oh, this yeah. New Orleans team lose a heartbreaker, and then the Titans can't seem to lose. So, obviously, yeah. <laughs> why is this? It's now under a field goal. We're seeing two and a half. I missed the three. I'm glad you got it. That's a great number. I'd be feeling very comfortable with that. I think I'm just going to play New Orleans to win this game outright. I know it's Trevor Simeon, but it's still the the Titans secondary is still very, very fucking bad. They're 24th in the NFL. They allow 265 passing yards per game. This is not a good secondary. They've been looking fairly competent, but they're still giving up a good bit of points. I, I think Trevor Simeon looked pretty damn good in the second half of that Atlanta game. They seemed to click there. That They looked a lot better. Yeah, I think New Orleans can easily win this game outright. This line just stinks. They're just begging you to take the Titans. So you just have to go the other side. Just take the Saints. Just take, I would exactly. say just go just money the line. The whole country watched the Titans dominate on the road at SoFi against the Yeah, Rams. the Titans like, are the best team in the NFL. Oh, they're on top of the world, right? And here, here's the, the best. Gift they're the Super Bowl favorites, take, right? Take, right? Exactly. So, right, you so, get the Super listen, Bowl favorites uh, at if, home if you under think a field goal. It's so stinky that you have to pass, pass. But please, just don't bet Tennessee here. Just do not be yeah, one of those people that falls, takes the bait. The fish are in it the pond. There's a lot of them. And we're trying <laughs> to not have you in that pond. That's all we're saying. <laughs> Let's move yeah. forward and go to the nation's capital where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go back to the scene of the wild card round from a year ago, having won and not covered in that wild card playoff game against the Washington football team. A near identical line here. I believe it was eight and a half, nine in the playoff game. Looks like tens. Right now, across the map, rotation number 251 is Tampa Bay, Washington number 252. Total. I think it actually shot up. I feel like I I took Tampa still at like 10 and a half. When it was announced that it wasn't going to be Alex Smith and that it was going to be Heineke, I I feel like that line really shot up in the playoffs. But as we saw, they, they kept it very competitive, but. Yeah, and, and I don't have much here. It looks like Antonio Brown still might not be back for the Bucks as they return from their bye week. Uh, Washington also returning from a bye. Um, I know that the tight end Logan Thomas had been trying to get back. I'm not sure if he's going to return to the gridiron for Washington. Yeah, or- he, was, he was limited today. I saw him. I didn't see him personally, but he, he was doing <laughs> – he was doing work on the sideline, so I mean that's what constitutes limited. I know Curtis Samuel, he guess was technically limited, but he was on the he was on the sideline on the exercise bike per my local Washington beat writers, and then Montez Sweat was in the same position. I guess he broke his jaw the other week. Should I miss? But they had a lot of guys that did did practice today, which is good. So Brandon Sheriff, William Jackson, Sam Cosme, 
Antonio Gibson, Eric Flowers, those guys are all practicing in some capacity. So I think that's a lot of guys coming back. If Logan Thomas can play, that's an absolute massive upgrade. I mean, you saw this Washington offense in the red zone against Green Bay. Green Bay going into the game was literally the worst, the worst red zone defense. And they stifled Washington. They couldn't score points. So I I definitely like Washington here. I'm going to take the points. I think nine and a half is a little too much. I really, I still trust Ron Rivera. He's a great coach, good motivator coming off the bye. I think they can figure this defense out. They still have all the talent in the world on defense. I think the offense is good enough to, to move the ball. This, this box secondary is still not very good. And then you see the Bucks on the road. Just not not a very good team. We saw it. They lost to the Rams, who we think is a pretty good football team, so we won't put that pass on. But if they beat the Patriots by two on the road, they destroyed Miami on the road. So throw that game out. But then they just they lost to the Saints. And they couldn't cover against Philadelphia, who we don't think is a very good football team. So the Bucks on the road is just they're not they're not that good. I think nine and a half is too much. I, I would make this more like seven in the hook. I think that's a bit more of an accurate number. Not to mention Washington has brought in uh Joey Sly, a kicker. And they got rid of Chris Blewett. So that's a pretty good omen, if I've ever heard one. Blew it out. Joey Sly in. Another Panthers cast off. Just bring in all the Panthers bums and bring them to Washington. That's what Ron Rivera is doing. He's building a good football team with just all Panthers cast off. So we'll see. I'm going to take the points a bit begrudgingly, but. Nine and a half. It just it feels like too many points. So, yeah, give me Washington at home, despite not much of home field advantage. But nine and a half feels just way too high. Yeah, I mean, listen. Anytime it comes to Washington, I always trust that you're pretty plugged in with the headlines there in the nation's capital. So. Uh, I don't doubt that this could be a spot where the football team comes out of the bye much like Tampa and maybe both teams coming out of a bye lends itself towards a competitive game and makes the 10 or nine. What'd you get? What number did you say you got this at? Uh, nine and a half. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like you said with Tampa on the road, I don't quite get why the line's going up. I don't think that Tampa has really warranted. I mean, you look at the Chicago game where they blew out the bears and that's really it where you can say start to fit if unless I'm missing a win in there. I know they beat Atlanta, but that was a tight game for three quarters. You ran through yeah, their those wins two on the road. fucking pick sixes. Yeah. Those were also both home games. On the right. road they exactly they dominated the Dolphins, but Dolphins, outside right. of that, okay, they, there you they, go. They barely yeah, they barely beat or covered. Yeah. 
So, you know what? Like, maybe better late than never for the Washington defense coming out of a bye, playing Tom Brady and a team that they showed itself pretty well against, uh, not necessarily the defense, but the playoff game was competitive, and uh, maybe that was in part because Taylor Heineke, nobody really knew who he was, and there was no film out, but I, I don't right. know. This, this line might this might speak to how bad Washington is, so if if we see them just come out and lay an egg, then, yeah, we're, we're done with them, but yeah, and that's it the thing. feels I high. Couldn't, I couldn't play either side here, but I kind of feel in some ways – like about Tampa that I do, I mentioned it with, uh, with Buffalo where it just felt like, okay, they lost that game again. You know, everybody's probably freaking out over, or, or if you're thinking the line in new Orleans and Tennessee is so stinky with the quarterback situation for new Orleans. Well, maybe we should have brought this up. New Orleans beat Tampa two weeks ago, you know? So, and that was, in the game in which James Winston got hurt and left in the second quarter. Right, so, in the middle of the game. Yeah, right. the, and the defense really stepped up there. And the defense really stepped up. So one last New Orleans not, point there. And not move the ball, yeah. But I also think it's an anti-Tampa Bay point where, again, the Bucs uh, just kind of cruising, you know, and they'll probably still win this division. But, you know, not looking like the defending Super Bowl champs. The NFC is pretty stacked. They would not be my pick to get out of the NFC right now. I'll say that. But you never want to bet against Brady, especially when November turns to December and December turns to January. So we'll see how the Bucks look in four or five weeks. But right now, I definitely don't have interest in laying the 10 with Tampa on the road, nine and a half, whatever your shop may be at. I am not interested in either side in this one. Here's another crossfire coming up, though as we have the Detroit Lions and we are seeing the Lions a 9 point dog in this game at the ketchup bottle at Heinz Field total of just 42 and a half gosh i feel like we see this a lot with Steelers games where we see some big spreads i think you know sometimes Pittsburgh being favored sometimes as the dog Go back to week one against uh, Buffalo, where they were the dog, and, and normally you see lower totals in Steelers games because obviously the offense does not inspire a lot of confidence. And so I think it's one of those things where time and time again, and, and, and we were talking a lot about this game before we jumped on, Lions maybe feel like a little square dog too just on the fact that you can't, really feel good about Pittsburgh in this price range. The largest margin of victory for the Steelers is eight points and they're laying nine. And I think that I'm just going to take the points in that case because I don't care that the Steelers have won three or four in a row or whatever it is. They don't blow teams out and they couldn't even get good margin against the Bears. On, and it's on Monday Night Football, short week. So a big rest advantage here for Detroit have, coming off of its bye with Pittsburgh on the short week. And if you look at the Lions, too, yeah, they got blown out by the Eagles two weeks ago. But sometimes I think, even with Detroit, I, I, I think that stuff can be bet on in a weird way. Because you look at it and say, well, now come, when it's coming out of a bye, well, they had two weeks to steal on getting their asses kicked 
by a not very good Eagles team. I think there's a lot of pride that the Lions bring to the table on Sunday. And if you just look at their season, if you just zigzagged, you know, bet on, bet off, you'd actually be doing pretty well. They covered the closing line week one against San Francisco. Didn't cover week two against Green Bay, Monday Night Football. Covered week three, should have won outright against Baltimore. Didn't cover week four against Chicago. Covered week five, probably should have won that game outright as well at Minnesota. Didn't cover in week six against Cincinnati in a blowout loss. They covered a big number in week seven against the L.A. Rams. And then week eight was that blowout loss against the Eagles. So it's just kind of what the Lions do. I think at this point, there's enough of a body of work there to say, yeah, they're just competitive some weeks, not competitive at all in others. Give me the rest advantage. Give me a Steelers team that doesn't really blow anybody out. I'm going to expect a competitive Lions team on Sunday. And so uh, I will reluctantly take the nine points and back Detroit. Wow, look at this. <laughs> Definitely not going to Super Bowl, but this is an absolute hammer spot for the Steelers. You just have to. The line is disgusting. The Steelers should not be favorites against any team in the NFL at this number. But we're seeing 63% of bets are on the Lions. But 87% of money is on the Sears at this spread. I love it. I love the Sears in the spot. I think they'll absolutely roll. The offense is definitely concerning. But are we really trusting this Lions defense? I know they're coming off a bye. I know, I know Dan Campbell is super emotional coach. He's, he's definitely going to have him fired up but Man, Jared Goff, he's not good. He's going to be standing in there like a statue. T.J. Watt absolutely dominated. Had three sacks against Fields. What is Goff going to do? He can't move in the pocket. I love the Steelers in this spot, especially that it's a home game. I know Ben, he's a shell of himself. And the defense is actually kind of concerning after we saw them give up a ton of big plays against an anemic Bears passing attack. Bears were literally the worst in the NFL before last week, and they just they really look they look good, but I think the Steelers can really control this game on the ground. I think they're going to turn over Goff several times. Who is the Steelers? This line is just too fishy, which is why you just have to. I'm sorry, did you say Steelers. seven it's... or several? Several, several. <laughs> okay. But it, it could be seven. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, Goff's Goff bad, but like, how do you explain Detroit just randomly be being competitive? And it's happened a lot. It has, but I think the bye week 
got the stink of that Eagles loss off. So that's why I'm thinking this line is kind of where it is. Probably should be like 10. We just saw them get absolutely dominated by the Eagles. Where a game where Hurts didn't even really have to throw the ball. And they put up 40-plus points at a defensive touchdown. Steelers are going to do the same. They'll probably have one or two defensive touchdowns. It's going to be an absolute blowout. There's just no chance the Lions cover this number. I would put my mortgage on Steelers. I'll Venmo you my mortgage. I actually won't. I can't do that. But Mortgage? I would, I would strongly consider it. I will Venmo you enough for a case of Miller Light if the Steelers don't cover this game. And I don't have to give you anything if the Steelers do cover. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's just no chance. All right. There you go. (laughs) I love it. You you win money if the Lions cover, which they won't. And I win a case of beer, and I lose money, and I don't owe you a case of beer. (laughs) I'll I'll live with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that, 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 that's a trade off every that's day. That's how confident I am. It's going to be an absolute fucking route. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into the late window now <laughs> where the Minnesota Vikings travel to SoFi Stadium to take on the L.A. Chargers in a non-conference game. Kind of a fishy line here. Minnesota only catching three total of 53. And. I don't know if this is just the market maybe giving a little love to the Vikings after they did play well for, what, three and a half quarters against Baltimore or whatever it was last week. Um, But gosh, you know, I I was I want to play Minnesota, but I, I just. I just don't trust them. Like, I, 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 I think the Vikings are one of the more boring teams in the NFL where, you know, it's just this collection of. Of, of guys where it's like the veterans are good, but not like great. Like they're average guys at best usually. And, and there's a lot of them, you know, Patrick Peterson still hurt, but like obviously Kirk cousins and on the defense, Everson Griffin and Harrison Smith and, you know, uh, Michael Pearson, Dalvin Tomlinson, like, it's just kind of like what the Vikings <laughs> are. It's just these- all, all those dudes, you names are just, very average. Right. Like we know who they are. We do. But they seem to keep all these games close. They They do. They lost in overtime to the Bengals. They should have beat the Cardinals. They beat the Seahawks. They lost to the Browns by seven. They barely beat the Lions. They beat the Panthers in overtime. They play these cardiac games every week. Yep. And so maybe that's part of the line, but Here's one other thing, Alex, that keeps me off this game as much as I wanted to play Minnesota. Maybe it's just an isolated thing and it doesn't impact the locker room, but the whole Dalvin Cook situation this week, pretty weird with what's going on in a domestic violence incident. And uh, it looks like it's turning into another one of those he said, she said fights. So, yeah, I, I just I'd like to see how Minnesota handles the handles itself and carries itself on Sunday given it's obviously a, a tumultuous week for its star running back. Yeah, I feel like that's impossible to handicap. It's so tough. He's he's obviously not going to be on the exempt list this week. It's just too soon. 
I would hope those allegations are not true. And he's saying that it was the girlfriend pulling a gun on him. And I'm sure Kirk Cousins will be praying on him. So the prayers go a long way. Thoughts and prayers that that goes a long way. Three points and the San Diego Chargers, they're literally the worst. We're still saying San Diego. It's only been seven years. Oh, fuck. L.A. Chargers. (laughs) Whatever the fuck they're, they'll always be the the San Diego Chargers. But yeah, the L.A. Chargers, they're the worst rushing defense in the NFL. They allow 161 rushing yards per game. So, assuming Dalvin Cook is playing, I think they can keep this close. I think the Vikings are the only side you could look here. Let's stay out west where uh, we have a game in the desert that quite honestly looked a lot interesting six weeks ago than it does now. The Carolina Panthers traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And Carolina's a 10-point dog in this game. Just feels weird that we've gotten this low with Carolina now where they're catching this many points. Total 44. Sam Darnold is going to miss an extended time. So P.J. Walker will get multiple starts for Carolina this being the first of the that stretch. And then you have Arizona coming off of uh, an impressive, let's give them credit, road win at San Francisco. No Kyler Murray. I know that San Francisco is not very good this year, but you win a road division game in the NFC West with a backup quarterback. I'll tip my cap. So I guess this number would – I haven't looked at Kyler's practice status, but this number certainly indicates that he's coming back. Um, and, you know, Carolina, can we say a dead team? Like, it just – like, maybe the quarterback change in a weird way is almost a good they're, thing. Does it, they're does dead. It, I, I think we can – I think we can put them to rest today. Oh, I agree. November eleven. This game, but I'm just trying to look at angles here and and maybe right. No, it, it's definitely not. Lights a fire <laughs> under him, but gosh, yeah, it, I don't. It can't be worse, this. right? No, I don't. I don't want to play this at all. I, I think the only the only way you play this is Carolina, and you just hope that PJ Walker, XFL great. He was he was very strong in the XFL. So I think that's the only way you could look is is taking the points. Who knows if Kyler's playing or DeAndre Hopkins is playing? Well, and what if Arizona? I mean, Arizona that, has, does it matter? Like, right? Do they care about kicking the shit out of Carolina? Like, do they just want to ease no. Kyler back in? Exactly. Even if he plays, like last week we saw, and on the pod we. I know I said I didn't think that Kyler was playing, and then he doesn't, and the line completely flips, and it absolutely did not matter. The, the, <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers cannot be in a favorite role. I don't think – I think we yeah. need to start questioning. I laid, uh, Kyle Shanahan is not. I laid the closing number. Like, my book was not up on that game, and so I couldn't bet it. I would have bet San Francisco at as a short dog, but – yeah, that was uh, – uh, I, I was don't surprised. Think, I don't think Kyle Shanahan is a very good coach. So, But we like him in a dog role, which we'll see shortly. But, yeah, yeah we saw that, that line completely flip, which – it's fucking Colt McCoy, dude. 
you can't. Yeah. You can't game plan against on the road. Yes, insane. I I was honestly sh- shocked that they got absolutely smashed. And McCoy was moving the ball, dude. They actually looked good. It looked like they didn't even miss a beat. Yeah, yeah. So just a lot of quarterback uncertainty here with P.J. Walker. And then if it's Kyler, how is he health-wise? And is Colt McCoy going to have another good game? I mean, a lot, a lot of question marks with this game in the desert. And speaking of quarterback uncertainty, let's go to America's Dairyland where the Green Bay Packers welcome in the Seattle Seahawks for another late afternoon kick. We're seeing Green Bay length three, and this number would indicate that both starting quarterbacks are going to return or maybe that both backups are going to play. But I think it's the former with Russell Wilson, a remarkable return, it looks like, from an injury that looked like it was going to keep him out much longer. Uh, Traveling to Lambeau to take on the Packers and the fact that the news came out earlier this week about Ross. And we're seeing Green Bay's three-point home chalk would indicate that the oddsmakers think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to get through that COVID protocol after a pretty crazy news cycle last week with all the stuff going on there with Rodgers and the vaccine and whatnot. Total 49 and a half. This is another game, Alex, where it's just like, what am I getting from Russell Wilson? Like, I, I, I guess I would feel somewhat good about Aaron Rodgers, maybe does he like look to come back and have a great game and shut everybody up? Like maybe, but right. I think we, I think you have to lean. I'd lean Packers. A rusty Rogers. Damn, that, that sounds like some porn shit. Rusty Rogers. But <laughs> <laughs> I think you They're have rusty to Rogers five times. Yeah. Five. That that's gotta be, that's Pumpkin. gotta be something. A rusty Rogers. I think you have to lean the Packers versus Russell Wilson coming off thumb surgery or I think it was thumb surgery on his throwing hand. So how much could he have been actually practicing gripping the ball? I I can't imagine that Rodgers is even remotely phased by this stuff. We saw him, him double down. I don't want to get political. I love protecting the shield. I'm all about the NFL. I'll always protect the NFL, but Jesus Christ, weren't the fucking Raiders stripped a draft pick and fined like way more money? Yeah, you know, I thought about Uh, that. Like, yeah, it's just so fucking ludicrous. What's going to happen here? Like, Nothing's gonna happen to the Packers, and nothing's gonna happen no, they, to Rodgers. Oh no, they, they find Rodgers. They find Rodgers fourteen thousand dollars. Okay, and they so that's find one the game team three hundred thousand dollars. But the the Raiders, and I think it was also the Saints as well, were strip draft picks for having players like go out during you know whatever I don't know whatever they were saying in the NFL, but. The Raiders players were like going to a charity party. I kind of remember the Titans. Something happening to them last year. I think the Raiders were were stripped a draft pick for going out and being at like an event. It was like Waller and uh, Carr were were fined, and also the team was was disciplined for for that going on, and that was like a 
charity party of some sort. And Rogers has been you know, just on camera for months doing what he's doing. No mask, which is, I guess, against NFL protocol. Yeah, but that aside, he's going to be back. I can't imagine playing the Seahawks here. Although I do, I do see a lot of money is coming in on the Seahawks. They're getting 45% of bets, but they're getting 63% of money. And this line is ticked down. I think it was four and a half. Now it's three and a half. That's you have to think Roger, Rogers is definitely coming back. Yeah, I would expect Aaron Rodgers to return for Green Bay. But, again, that's more of a uh, sit on the sidelines and watch curiously game for me yeah. there yeah, at Lambeau. Let's, let's go to the mountain time zone where the Denver Broncos welcome in the Philadelphia Eagles to the Mile High City. Philadelphia, a short road dog of two and a half, three points. Total in this game of 45 uh, and Alex, you know, we talked about it before we jumped on. This is one of those games where Denver has been one of these teams where you can never really get a firm read on them. And therefore, you kind of just want to bet the opposite of what happens the week before with Denver. And that's kind of the way they go. Obviously, on a, uh, you know, it was three straight wins to start the year and then four straight losses and now back-to-back wins against Washington and Dallas. And so it's the third straight NFC. Yeah. It's kind of like what you were, what you were saying with the lines, just kind of zigzag back and forth, back and forth. Right. Very much how the Broncos feel like like, the entire season. Exactly. Like it's, it's not like a straightforward zigzag in the sense that it didn't just winning, losing, win, loss, win, loss. But Their season has them now at, I guess, what are they, five and four? I don't think they've had their bye week yet, Denver. And so they're kind of, yeah, because they won the first three, lost the next four. Now they've won the last two against Washington and Dallas. This would be when you jump back on the fade train with the Denver Broncos and you look at Philadelphia, uh, albeit in a loss, competitive effort last week against the Chargers off of a blowout win, albeit against Detroit, maybe the proverbial corner is being turned in the sense that it's a more confident Eagles team. They're running the ball more, asking less of Jalen Hurts. Uh, I I think at least the offense is starting to put some things together for the Eagles. Defensively, that's a different story. But we know that Denver, Teddy Bridgewater, kind of just game manages his way along here. So that's not normally a quarterback that you expect to pick apart a secondary to the tune of 400 passing yards or something like that. Teddy Bridgewater's stat lines are, I feel like are kind of the same most weeks. And you just hope that there's a zero under the INT column in the box scores. So having said all of that, I, I won't play this, but I think it's Philly or pass on the basis that Denver way too inconsistent due to kind of come back at down to earth after that victory in Dallas last week. And I do think the Eagles, on the offensive side of the ball at least, are starting to uh, figure a little bit out. So it's definitely Eagles or pass for me. Yeah, I grabbed I grabbed Philly at plus three. I, I really like this number. I, I think they're arguably the better team. Their defense has been fairly competent. You see them, they're ranked 12th in the NFL and passing yards allowed per game. So... They're going to really have to shut down the run here, which 
I think they're capable of doing it. We, we definitely do not like Teddy Bridgewater as a favorite. We generally like to take him as a dog. Seeing him as a favorite, three points, just feels feels a little high. I think the Eagles can win this game outright. We don't want to back Teddy as a home favorite, despite that altitude. You know, that, that can definitely do a lot for, for different teams. You see Denver's been just a perennial, really solid home team. Obviously, Particularly early. Altitude. Yeah. So you see the Eagles coming in there, which gives me a little bit of pause, but I'm definitely going to take three. I think that's the only side to play here. Let's go to Sunday night football in Sin City, where we have a couple more AFC West teams squaring off Kansas City. Traveling to Las Vegas, the Chiefs are a short two-and-a-half-point road favorite, total of 51-and-a-half. You know, Alex, when you talk about inconsistent, let's for, I mean, they're consistently bad against the spread, the Chiefs, that is. But when you look at <laughs> Jesus, their season. So bad. When you look at their season, I mean, it's been pretty up and down just in the win-loss column, straight up-wise. They come back and win a crazy week one game against Cleveland and – you know, week two probably should have won. They, you know, Edwards Alaire fumbles and they lose to Baltimore. And then you look up and down and, and they get shellacked by the Titans, but then they really handle the Eagles and the Washington football team, even though the first half against Washington was not very good from Kansas City either. This is what they've been. And I do think I'm so I'm going to be on the Raiders here because last week of, I was at the game, very unimpressive win for the Chiefs in which. The offense only mustered up 13 points. They scored on the first drive, Travis Kelsey with a touchdown, and they didn't score another touchdown the rest of the way. And Bucker made a very long kick at the end of the first half in that game. So it's a Kansas City offense that we know has been a little stagnant of late. That's why they're rumored to be in the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. And all of a sudden, because they shut down Jordan Love, we're going to trust this Kansas City defense? Like, it was one of the worst defenses in the NFL the first half of the year. So I think the Raiders are clearly the side here. The Raiders also, this is just typical NFL doesn't make any sense, where the Raiders would lose on the road against the Giants like they did last week, and then they'd come back and win this game by double digits or something, which is, I I, I mean, I might look at I an alternate line, because I love the home dog in the big divisional game here in prime time. So it's definitely the Raiders for me. Oh yeah. I love it. I I think it's just Raiders money line. Money line or, yeah. Like you're, you're saying the alternate line would be, would be nice depending what it is. I'm, I'm surprised this line is so low because you know, public betters are going to definitely take the chiefs. You have to blindly take the chiefs, right? At this low of a number, I'm seeing. Oh, absolutely. Seventy nine percent of money are going to say, "Oh, well, on the Chiefs, who cares yeah. that they can't cover the spread? It's only right. two They're and a half. Due. They just got to win. They're due, right? They're due. They haven't covered in literally a calendar year, so they're probably due this week, right? Well, they've covered a couple games this year against Philly and Washington. I know for sure. Okay. Yeah, good point. They also in that Philly game though, the Eagles they didn't punt a single time. 
Oh yeah. Oh, that's like what you're saying, saying the, the the Chiefs' defense is is not very good. I think last week it's kind of a letdown spot, I guess. I I really like the the Raiders on the road, but I could I could definitely see it being a letdown spot. I don't I don't know how much this Henry Rugg shit is really influencing them, but. And maybe yeah, it did just, last it, week, but you'd think they'd yeah, be exactly. gone by now. Right. I mean, they've been dealing with tumultuous things the entire season. The the Raiders, they, they can't catch a break, but it's still a very good offense. They still have plenty of weapons. I really like Jacobs, Waller, Renfro. They still have plenty of weapons to really exploit this bad Chiefs defense. And like you were saying, this defense is still not very good. They they made Love look bad, but also they put up 13 points. They had several turnovers in the red zone. This is not it's not a good to team. Say not a lot excites you about the Kansas City Chiefs right now, but that's where we're at. No, they they can't run the ball. They're giving it to Derek Gore, Edwards Alaire, and they're just not moving the ball very well. I feel like teams have kind of figured out this Chiefs offense. They're they're playing back. They're making oh, yeah. them beat them beat them short, and they just can't seem to do it. Despite having two of the better playmakers in the NFL with Kelsey and Hill, yeah, they're just not moving the ball very well. Yeah, Raiders money line for sure. Let's wrap things up with another divisional primetime game where we have the. San Francisco 49ers welcoming in the Los Angeles Rams. And it is another stinky line here with the 49ers who just lost at home in a divisional game to Arizona and Colt McCoy. And now you have the Rams coming off of that loss. You know the public's going to say, oh, my God, the Rams off that blowout loss. Now in a division game, primetime game last week for the Rams, primetime game this week. Obviously, last week, primetime, everybody watching, and everybody, I would think, is going to gravitate pretty hard towards the Rams at this short of a number against a, uh, you know, borderline, lifeless San Francisco team, let's say, and maybe borderline is being nice. I mean, when you look at them, 49ers in this NFC West are 3-5. and five. They're tied with Seattle, and Seattle obviously hasn't had Russell Wilson. I mean, this is a two-horse race in the NFC West, and it's between the Rams and the Cardinals, and yet here's the Rams and the 49ers, and the line is just four points in favor of the road chalk being the Rams. We know that Kyle Shanahan has had a lot of success head-to-head against Sean McVay. Kyle Shanahan as an underdog is a very popular trend, and this is kind of the... uh, the runner-up to New Orleans, Tennessee for the stinky line of the week for me. And that's why I got to play San Francisco, getting the four points at home. I'd play it down to three, and I'd expect a divisional dogfight, even though, again, San Francisco probably not even going to the playoffs. I'd be very surprised if they could work their way into the wild card race. But, again, a line that's talking to me, and when that's the case, I never like to take the bait. So, it's Niners or pass on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I I hate it so much that I love it. You got to play the Niners here. Exactly. Kyle Shanahan as an underdog is a way better better move than him as a favorite, which we saw 
on the ninth lift. I don't I don't know what goes on his head, but it's just not going well when they're favorites. But a home underdog divisional game, like you were saying, I'm also seeing just so much Rams money coming in. So we might see this this go up a little bit more. I'm seeing 90% of bets and 85% of money is coming in on the Rams ATS. Wow. Yeah, I, I just I think the the Niners are the only side here. Can we get a just a decent Jimmy G game? Just don't turn the ball over. I mean, the Rams were moving the ball so well last week. And then they had several turnovers in the red zone. Obviously, that's going to kill you. Any team is going to lose games when you're you're turning the ball over that much in the red zone. Doesn't matter who you play. Cole fucking McCoy. Doesn't matter. They made him look great. But obviously, they gave him the ball so many times. He had so many opportunities. Yeah, I think this number is a bit too high, despite... I was thinking, you know, the Rams were a Super Bowl favorite after they beat the Bucks a couple weeks ago. But yeah, love the love the Niners here. So there it is, a consensus play on the San Francisco 49ers in prime time on Monday Night Football to wrap things up for our NFL Week Ten podcast. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. I'm Greg Frank. At Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Shoot the podcast to follow as well at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, on we roll to week 10. Let's enjoy another week of football. Absolutely, dude. And I'm also very excited for college basketball. We got. Yeah, I can't win a college basketball bet right now, but I'm excited too. Chicago State on Friday. S-I-E-U so that's <laughs> definitely one to keep an eye on because they lost by 26 last year so we'll see what the line is come Friday there he Something is to keep an eye on. <laughs> <laughs> didn't think we'd get a Chicago State reference in but we've managed to find a way so Alex thanks a lot enjoy the weekend absolutely see you later dude Alrighty, again, he's Alex Uplinger. I'm Greg Frank. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you tail. If you fade, we get it. And of course, please play responsibly.